Welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Driver Podcast. My name is James Rea. I write an automotive column for Bay Area News Group and for Gulf Shore Business in Florida. And I publish it at the website, theweeklydriver.com. My friend, uh, lunchmate uh, earlier before our podcast and co-host is Bruce Aldrich. And today, as we do from time to time, we don't have a guest. But as we always say, there's plenty going on in the automotive industry. So we're going to cover a few bases uh, today. And Bruce, um, you want to go to an F1 F1 race next year in 2023? I sure would. I've okay. never been to one. I'd love to go. I'd love to go. We There's have three, three choices. We three have three in the US of A. <clears throat> That's going to be year. our launching point today. Yep. 2023, uh, first time in the United States that there's going to be three Formula One races. And that will be in Austin, Texas, where it's been before, Miami, Florida, where it's been before, and the new event in Las Vegas. The unusual part of it is, well, not so unusual, but the unfortunate part of it is I think there's no U.S. drivers in F1. Three races, no U.S. drivers. What do you th- what do you think over the years about F1? I know that sometimes you've gotten up really early in the morning to watch them. You so, don't have to anymore. <laughs> you don't have to anymore. So they, they replay them several times. Educate me on F1 a little bit. Tell me about what you would like to share. Uh, I would just call it the pinnacle of racing. It's right. the... You know, unbridled, uh, obviously there's rules. There's always some kind of rules. But uh, to keep the price from being astronomical, which it kind of is in Formula One, but it's only half astronomical because there are rules that that limit things. But it's, you know, the fastest cars. Yeah, the uh, I guess like MotoGP and like Indy cars to some degree. MotoGP and there's only there's only in motorcycles two or three dozen guys in the world who do it. Right, it's very exclusive. I mean, if you want to be an F1 car and play with the big boys, do you have to have a couple of hundred million dollars to get involved? Or I mean, it's it's very expensive. Uh, Way more than that. I don't know. Ask ask Red Bull what it costs to go racing. Yeah, we do have. um, I mean, I've only had interest in the last couple of years, and you and I have. Shared it with uh, the young guy, Colton Herta, who has been um, groomed to be an F1 driver. Probably not going to happen for a couple more years, but um, he's the guy that everybody's talking about. There are F1 drivers now who have come back from the F1 circuit to drive Indy cars. And I'm not sure any of the nuances, if it's they, uh, for some reason or another, if it's completely financial or if they just prefer... Um, the the indie car circuit isn't as taxing and isn't as demanding. I I don't really don't know why. They're getting older. Maybe they're not. They couldn't make it in Formula One. Couldn't make and it. And yeah. so they come over here to the United States. There's still you know some big pet paychecks to be made if you're a good driver. So yeah, this is what they seek is over here. Uh, a friend, a guy who actually, well, he's a friend I've never met, and a young guy who uh, writes now for the Weekly Driver, emailed me about a week or so ago and. Uh, he wanted to know if there's a way that he and his father could go <laughs> go to Las Vegas and go to the Formula One event. And what I do know about Formula One is it's very selective, and media passes just aren't given out. Um, like the LA Auto Show, for example, just people who were there, some of them whom some of which some of whom aren't automotive journalists. But anyway, F1 is expensive, and we're going to look into it to see if we can go. But in the meantime, if you want to go, you can go uh, very easily if you have a million dollars. You can. Uh, there's a story on Rob Report 
that if you drop a cool million dollars, I'll just read a little bit. It says, for $1 million, you and all of your F1-loving friends can indulge in a five-day journey surrounding the 2023 Las Vegas Grand Prix, thanks to an offering from the racing series and the win at Las Vegas. The package, which includes all access passes to events surrounding the automotive competition, plus a variety of exclusive appearances, is tailored for a group of six people. So... Six people divided into a million is what uh, one hundred and sixty-six thousand a piece. Yeah, jump each. change, jump change, and hey, you know I, it attracts very rich people from all over the world. Right, these various races and they follow them, and and money's no object. Right, the movies uh, I've seen two or three of them that have been made on F one racing. Um, how can you not like it? I mean, it's just so. Uh, Extravagant, extravagant, yes. enticing. Yeah. Uh, Art and Senna, and you know all the all the great competitions through the years. Um, I think I'm with you. I'd love to, I'd love to go to Las Vegas. I'm going to be checking out, see what we can do. You know, I do do uh, legitimate publication, not just my website, which is legitimate, but bigger publications. It would be great. I have no idea what it would cost for three nights in Las Vegas. Oh, I'll, who knows? <clears throat> who knows? Probably four or five times normal rate. I, I'm guessing. And then, and then, what would? You, what? I was looking at the ticket prices. <clears throat> yeah, that, they're on, they're online. Okay, it says they're not doing sales right now, but they're they have numbers out there mm-hmm. and, and various places where you can buy. And the cheapest seats that I saw for Vegas right now, they're sitting at two thousand dollars for a three day pass. Do you actually see a car, or do you just kind of well, hear them in the distance? Room, it's standing room only. You know, it's yeah. a flat track and it's flat yes. ground. So it wouldn't be the best no. for two grand. Um, I saw like a Miami Grand Prix race, uh, three day tickets for seven hundred bucks. So yeah. Vegas is a little high, and yeah. then Formula One Austin, um, I saw you could get race day only for mm-hmm. four sixty eight. Well, that's so not all that Vegas, bad. Vegas, <clears throat> for some reason, is just going to be astronomical. Yeah, I, I mean, I can remember when uh, we went to um, the Quail uh, Motorsports Gathering, and it was two hundred Monterey. Yes, Monterey. It was two hundred and twenty-five dollars with a full buffet and a great day. And you could, if you had to go to the bathroom, you could use a real, real bathroom inside the golf facility. Open bar. Open bar. And um, now the tickets are twelve hundred, and so four sixty-eight uh, is about what a. A very uh, popular rock star would charge for a decent ticket. So, not that I'm going to spend that, but uh, it's not. A, it isn't all that bad for no. For but a full it looks day. like Vegas is going to be Vegas is quite off, high. off the charts um, for a place that I don't know about you, but I'm going to go to Las Vegas in January for a trade show. But it's always, it's very cheesy in the it's, daytime, it, isn't it? It's just it? like everything's got facades and yeah. and funny, you know, uh, just. Cheap construction. Hotter than hell, even in, in January. Hot, yeah. yeah. And it just isn't a very, I mean, if you go out to Red Rocks, it's, you know, it's a great place to run or bike, whatever, or walk around. But downtown Las Vegas is just, oh my gosh, it's ugly. If you haven't been there, you, you still got to go see it. It yeah, is, it is to, fun. You go to Bellagio and go to the other places where they have the fake, uh, um, um, <laughs> La, fake. La, La, the fake um, Italian, um, cruise down the river you know they have that area there and the bellagio and the fountains and the restaurants are really good the bellagio fountains are really fun to watch really fun to watch but that's all at night don't go out in the daytime it's 
pretty pretty but, bad. You know the race <clears throat> uh, the race course is going to go right down the strip, which is pretty darn cool. That's pretty cool. Um, it looked like their grandstands are going to be on it, it, the strip. Is like oh at least six lanes, if not eight lanes wide. Mm-hmm. And so one side will be the grandstands, and the other side will be the actual track. So. It's it's going to be pretty crazy down there for a weekend. I think you better save your money because, uh, not that you have to save your money, but I would have to save my money. If you spend a million dollars for your party of six, you stay on a 5,800-square-foot, uh, two-story condominium, or duplex, excuse me, 24-hour butler service who attend to all your needs. And there's a gym and all this a lavish welcoming with a glass of Don Perignon and caviar and, boy... It does sound pretty appealing. Don't you have a spare 166,000 lying around and you and your five best friends will go? Well, if you fly in on your own private jet from uh, who knows where, right? Um, maybe that stay isn't that big a deal. I think uh, also it, it, it defines, you know, what happens in Las Vegas stays in Las Vegas, right? You never know what's going to go on there. So... Anyway, just to repeat, uh, people who are interested in Formula One, I'm sure they already know about it, but three events in the United States um, beginning in May, I think, which is the Miami. May 5, 6, 7 from Miami. I am, yeah. Got October 2021-22 is the Austin race. Mm -hmm. and that's So that's the actual race course. Mm -hmm. uh, the other two races are street, street races. Mm -hmm. And so Las Vegas is November... 16, 17, 18. 2023 will be a, a big deal for that. But we also have a couple of other topics to talk about today, um, including I had to be educated uh, in this past week or so. Uh, I got a nice letter from a man who, had, um, who read my automobile column in the San Jose Mercury. And it's always nice to get a letter. You know, it means actually somebody's actually reading it, which is really nice to know. And this guy, in a, in a gentlemanly way, said that um, I had called the Mustang a uh, muscle car, and he corrected me and called it a pony car. And that he had some criteria that he believed in that what makes a pony car a muscle car, uh, what makes it different than a muscle car, and uh, the engine um, configuration and terminology is different. And then I talked to you about it. And you gave me, you know, your thoughts on it. I looked at a couple of other websites that said it's still one and the same. So I have to defer to you on this. Muscle car, pony car. It's, a, it's a bad topic Big because you can't win. You can't win. So be, be, go ahead. A pony car oftentimes is a muscle car, but it doesn't have to be. It depends on the be. motor. Thank you. But there's a lot of things to look at. Yes. Uh, a pony car, you know, this all started in their 60s and 70s. Yeah. And Pony Car has sporty looks, and it has handling upgrades, engine upgrades, has two doors, and I think the uh, you have to look at the history. And usually, a Pony Car was from a inexpensive, cheap car platform. Like a, the good example is the uh, Ford Fairlane. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Four door mm -hmm. becomes a sixty-four and a half Mustang. And that's a pony car. Okay. So they come from cheap beginnings, and then they're sported up to become a pony car. So now the other manufacturers, you got Camaro, you got the the AMC Javelin, you got mm -hmm. the AMC AMX. 
that would to me would be a pony car. And then they went into Trans Am racing. Okay. So that's racing around a track. It has to perform. It has to go around left turn, right turns. Mm-hmm. Uh, muscle cars are more about a bigger body. Um, they were more the mid-sized family car that have two doors, and they got the biggest V8 that they can stuff in them. You know, in the uh, Chrysler products, you had the uh, the A body and the B bodies, and the B bodies were bigger. So, like your your B bodies were your Dodge Charger, Cornettes, the Daytonas. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Plymouth, it was Satellite and the Roadrunner and the Superbird. Those are the muscle cars. And then the A body would be the uh, Dodge Dart, the Challenger, the Demon. Okay. Um, Plymouth would be the Duster, the Barracuda, the Valiant. Uh, but, you know, in between, it's still blurry. Yeah. It depends on the motor in each one of those cars. Okay, gotcha. But I really don't like that word pony car. To me, it's just, it, you're really talking about a Mustang. Right. And that's where I was. Yeah. yeah. So, I, I mean, I wasn't, I didn't, uh, when I responded to the man, I, I said, as always, I say, you know, thanks for reading. Appreciate the taking the time to write. And it's, you know, he didn't, he didn't drop an F-bomb or call me out. He was nice about it. And so I responded saying, you know, this is, these are the websites I've looked at. And, you know, one of them was Barron's, which is a pretty respectable site. And they were calling it a muscle car. And I have to kind of rely on them because I've never owned one. And, um, but his point was well taken and I, I think he probably owns a muscle car or two and probably doesn't want to be associated with anything that's called, that's a pony car, right? I, I would think, yeah. I, I would think the pony cars, the smaller cars are more about Trans Am racing, the yeah. old Trans Am racing and going, turning right and left, stopping and accelerating. Yes. Or a muscle car is more about the drag strip. Okay. Going in a straight line. I don't think anybody in their 440 Charger worries about how well it turns. What about the car that they used in Bullet with uh, the police detective, Mr. McQueen? Would that be a... Well, that was the Mustang. That was a Mustang. So, so that, that's a pony that's car, a pony car followed, but... <laughs> followed by the Charger, okay. the muscle car. Right, right. Okay. Gotcha. Which way, Which what made more smoke? Didn't the Charger burn out more? I... I'll take I, your word I, for it. I'll take I, don't know. Word I, know, for I know McQueen bl- burned rubber in the yeah. in the Mustang as well. He although did. we heard that later on that that was a smoke generator and really not the tire. Oh, there you go. Yep. I didn't know. Did you tell me? That? Maybe you told me that. Maybe yeah, we well, talked that's about part of the story when they uh, they sold that the original Bullet car. Oh yes, that's right. Just a couple years ago. Yeah. There that's was right. a hole cut out for the smoke generator when he when Steve lit up the tires. It was a. They were actually, it was a smoke generator. Oh, I see. Um, I'd forgotten that, but you're right. I remember it now. Um, well, the other area to discuss, we had, we could go on and on, but, you know, we, we discuss this often, that we get surveys. We uh, we very much enjoy the uh, site called iccars.com, and they do these surveys and studies with, you know, a million data points and research from hundreds of thousands of cars. Uh, and so... By my thinking, their their analysis is pretty accurate because it's based on a big selection. Now, the other day, I got a survey from a company called, I think I might be mispronouncing it, but it's called Zootobi, and it did a nice uh, presentation of the most expensive and least expensive cars to operate based on criteria from um, 
cost of gas, was it? Um, repair uh, frequencies, uh, insurance costs. But as you pointed out, we weren't quite so sure how many there cars. There seem to be some flaws in <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, please. But, but it is interesting. I mean, I mean, it's kind of obvious, right? Doesn't don't people know that a Honda fits cheaper to to get down the road for a year than a muscle car? Yeah, if I can use that car. word, <laughs> or or some luxury, you know, Bugatti yeah. or something. Smaller the motor, generally yeah. speaking. Right. It's it's going to be cheaper to operate. Yes. It, it's no brainer. So anyway, the a Honda Fit was the number one car, cheapest, yes. and then the Toyota Yaris, and. It got, Chevy Spark, maybe. It or? got down to, like, the Toyota Camry and the Mitsubishi Outlander, Hyundai Sonata, Chevy Equinox, Mazda 3, mm-hmm. Subaru Outback. Those were all the cheapest cars, but I would think we'd kind of know that. Mm-hmm. That's but logical, the, yeah. The most expensive car, this one here, it's probably a good call, mm-hmm. the Ford F-150 Raptor. Okay. Uh, based on, let me see if I can guess, insurance costs pretty high. Uh, to fill up a gas tank costs $200. That thing's thirsty. <laughs> yeah, $200 thirsty to do that. Um, I don't know about the dependability. I, I've always thought they were pretty dependable and that there weren't a lot of repair costs, but maybe that's not accurate. Well, yeah, I think they just did maintenance. So they probably looked up what it cost to do a, an oil change and a change the spark plugs i have no yeah, idea yeah. what they used but uh does it also tie into but uh, go ahead well i was going to say v8 in this case mm-hmm. of the raptor it's a three five liter uh it's, it's a turbo yes but when you're talking high horsepower however you make it even if you make it with a four banger um it's gonna it's gonna drink gas yes so the top ones are the toyota forerunner mm-hmm. uh the GMC Sierra 5.3 liter, so that's a truck, including uh, the Ford F-150, the Infiniti Q50, the Jeep Wrangler, mm-hmm. Honda Pilot, Toyota Highlander, Chevy Malibu, Ford Fusion. Yeah. So we're talking $3,000 difference, I think, between the high and the low. And I think obviously it's pretty obvious these companies do these things to – uh, get their name out there and to attract people to their website. And I, no disrespect, I had never heard of Zootobi before. Yeah, me neither. And isn't it aligned with a company that we found out that it's a driver's ed company? Yeah, it's it's catering to new or first-time drivers. Yeah, so you can go on there and take and, and study up on um, how to – Whatever, whatever is required on a driving a driver's ed class these years, uh, these days, and and then get your test. So the, the site, actually, the site looks kind of nice. I like the the presentation and everything. Well, they also did gasoline cars versus electric vehicles, which is better for your mm-hmm. better value for your money. Mm-hmm. And they're saying electric, but that's where it gets a little dubious to me. Mm-hmm. Is you know what what price is a gallon? What price is the kilowatt hour they yes. charging and but if they're even halfway accurate, they're saying it's uh, it's like a, you'd save $1,000 or more on gas. And they're saying 15,000 miles driving, too. That's so a that's, lot of miles. Uh, that's a lot of miles. Those are the three major t- topics. Uh, I have a couple of other things to mention. Uh, 
when I was in Los Angeles, I forgot if we mentioned this earlier, and I'm really interested to see how this goes, is VinFast has now shipped its first um, group of SUVs. Um, and so if you're interested in the Vietnamese car and you had your money in there, you pretty soon get a delivery of the, the first Vietnamese car in the United States. I think they have five different uh, cars now. Not all of them will be available. One or two might be, still be a concept. But I, um, in my mind, this thing is going to take off and it's going to be a good thing as opposed to some of the other ones we've seen have never materialized. But um, this is electric, right? This all every, yeah. five. Uh, I think it's maybe three SUVs and two sedans, or maybe the other way around. Um, in Southern California, the first uh, deliveries. Love the way it looks. Um, it'll be the top um, warranty in the country. We know that Kia and Hyundai have ten and a hundred. This has ten and a hundred and twenty-five thousand. So they're 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 taking a shot at doing it one-upsmanship on those two brands um and whether the public will say there's no way i'm buying a vietnamese car or they look at it and say boy that's a great looking car i'm getting one i think it'll be interesting to see what what goes on with it yeah it'll be interesting yeah one more player that sounds good what are you driving this week james this week um i have a lexus 500h two-door sports car that is one of the prettiest cars I've had for a long time um, with a dark gray exterior and a what was a burnt orange maybe interior stunningly all attra- Alcantara all Alcantara looks like leather but but it has isn't. a pretty annoying high pitch uh, hybrid engine in the back when we're sitting in the front you can hear that kind of whine there's some kind of blower. We can hear yeah, we blowing can hear all the blowing, time, no, but, blower noise or something. Boy, it's got some uh, pricey um, extras. No, one hundred and fifteen grand. One hundred fifteen k out the door. Uh, Ninety nine starting point. It's got an expensive spoiler. It's got an ex- ex- four expensive twenty uh, two inch the wheels. Spoiler looks like it came from Pep Boys. It does. Oh boy, <laughs> it looks um, ridiculous. And the acceleration you pointed out, as you do pretty astutely. Um, it isn't the acceleration you might expect, but it's steady and it's fine, but it, it's not. We've had a few cars lately that are kind of throw your head back acceleration. This one doesn't have that. But what I've noticed on the freeway entrance entrances or passing a car, the, the, the maneuverability and the steering is just you're, you're part of the car. It's really nice, but it doesn't go zero to 60 uh, yeah, yeah, super it fast. Yeah. To me, it was numb. It's got no personality. Well, I don't know the I numbers. You write the I don't know the numbers on the car. Uh-huh. I imagine they they must be decent at that price point, mm-hmm. but it just it has no soul. But Gosh, it is beautiful it was, to is. look at, yeah. inside and out. It really. I, I was telling my wife this morning that I'm, I'll say a half a dozen people as examples of their heads have been on, you know, looking at it going by, and they're looking at the wheels and they're looking at the style and how the the back forms nicely, and the, and the whole package is put together. It's one of those cars that, you're right, the, the beauty is not matched by the performance. It's like a big old Celica Supra from 87. You're right. God, it's Bruce, a big old really thing. Good, and really it's just, good. It's, it's, analogies are great today. Yep. Um, 
So that's that. Uh, on the horizon, there's a bunch of other cars. Uh, we'll have a guest next week. We're not. Sure, we're never quite sure who it is, uh, but we will have a guest next week. And uh, we'll remind people that um, please visit my website, theweeklydriver.com. There's advertisers on that site. And if you care to support us, you can support us. Uh, if not, um, we hope that you enjoy our podcast. We're coming up on 250 episodes. We'll have to have a little drum roll or a little... Um, celebration for 250 on I think it's two episodes down the road and uh, that's it Bruce thanks for lunch today Um, we'll talk to everybody next week we'll see you next time